Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. But Moses had grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Well, that is Exodus chapter 17, verse 12. I am Sandra Flack. Uh, Welcome to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I love this picture of Aaron and her holding up Moses's weary arms, right? Don't you just feel like that sometimes? You need somebody to hold up your weary arms. This parenting journey is so hard at times. Um, If you're an adoptive foster or kinship caregiver, you are parenting We are parenting children with trauma histories, and so many of us are parenting kiddos who also have been prenatally exposed to alcohol or other drugs. Sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes they don't have a diagnosis, but we're parenting, and there's these really big behaviors that only get bigger and harder as they approach their teen years. Oh my goodness, we need help. We need encouragement. We need somebody to hold up our weary arms. And I'm thrilled to have a guest on with us today. And that is something that she does. She holds up our weary arms. So I'm so excited to have Kristen Erickson on with us today. But before we get to our conversation, I want to let you know about some FASD resources that we have here, Uh, FASD fetal alcohol spectrum disorder um, is a spectrum of Uh, disorders that affect people who were prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, It affects one in 20 school-age children here in the United States, Um, and a, a, a huge number of children in child welfare, in foster and adoptive placements. Um, So I had the opportunity not too long ago to write a Cornerstone article for our friends at Focus on the Family. And I even got to go out there last spring and record some video modules where I do a little teaching on FASD. Um, And the whole, uh, the article and the videos are all found um, not only on Focus on the Families, um, Wait No More uh, part of their website, but also on my personal website, sandraflack.com. So I invite you to go over there and check that out. Would love for you to do that. The link uh, to my website is in the show notes for this uh, episode. You can scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and check that out. Um, but we also have some more uh, resources on uh, for parents and caregivers um, of those kiddos who may have been prenatally exposed to alcohol. So I hope you'll check out 
this resource. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And addition, in addition to our um, support group, um, I offer online and in-person uh, FASD workshops and trainings. Um, in fact, we have one coming up. Uh, I call it a lunch and learn. It's an hour. Uh, it's free. And we just go over the primary, secondary, and tertiary symptoms of FASD and um, begin to roll out some some tools and strategies for parents and caregivers to learn how to best accommodate our kids so that they can be successful. Um, so the next Lunch and Learn coming up is on Tuesday, February 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's a great workshop for, uh, it's online, of course, um, and it's a great workshop for, for if, you're, if you're a parent and a caregiver and you're just beginning to suspect or learn about FASD, you're wondering if that could be going on. It's a great workshop to really learn more about, about the symptoms and, and uh, get a better idea of what FASD is and how it in impacts the brain, our kids' brains. And um, But also, if you have a pretty good understanding already, but you're thinking your children's grandparents or babysitter or um, Sunday school teacher, youth group leader, next door neighbor, bus driver, adult sibling, um, anybody in your kiddo's life who maybe should have a better understanding so that they can understand your child better um, and how to better accommodate them and work with them. Um, it's a great uh, workshop for them. It's free. It's an hour. I stay on a little bit longer oftentimes to do Q&A for anybody who's needing a little bit extra, um, but it's a great workshop for that. So you can sign up and register for that workshop. It's free, but you need to sign up so you get the Zoom link. Um, and you can do that on our website, which is justicefororphansny.org. And uh, scroll down again to the bottom of the show notes for a link that will take you right there. Um, I also want to just take a moment to ask you to subscribe, follow, like, leave a review, do all the things, whatever the things are for the platform that you listen to podcasts on. Um, because when you do that for this podcast, it helps others who are in need of encouragement and support for their parenting journey. It helps them to find us when they go looking for a podcast about adoption, about foster care, um, about parenting kiddos with FASD. Um, so please do that. I would greatly appreciate it. And also, um, if you don't know by now, um, all of our episodes are also available on the Justice for Orphans YouTube channel. So if you want to watch your podcast, um, you can. I invite you to go check us out on YouTube, um, and that's at the Justice for Orphans uh, YouTube channel. So all of those, uh, our podcast episodes are also there in video form. So let's get to today's guest. 
Uh, Kristen Erickson has been a nurse for over 35 years, um, including pediatric obstetrical nursing and early intervention developmental services with a recent focus on school nursing. Her personal story um, of raising twins with FASD since infancy has led to a new and different career path, which we greatly appreciate. Kristen began working with MassFAS uh, since 2022. MassFAS is a Massachusetts-based um, organization providing support and resources and help for parents um, raising kiddos prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, and Kristen also joined the FASD United Family Navigator support team last January, January 2023. Um, and if you aren't aware of FASD United, they are the national organization on all things FASD. Uh, my nonprofit, Justice for Orphans, is an affiliate member of um, FASD United. So I highly recommend you check out their website as well. Um, and we're going to learn about family navigators today. And that's a huge, helpful resource for all of us on this journey. So please welcome Kristen Erickson. Hey, Kristen. Hello. How are you today? I am doing great. I know we're awesome. like our states, we're neighbors, sort of. You're in Massachusetts. I know. I'm right. in New York and we've and I, connected so much through, I know. through FASD and I United. Think, are you in Eastern New York? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just south of Albany. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. So not too far. Not Some too far. Maybe, maybe one day we'll like meet in the middle and have coffee. Yes. <laughs> I'm all over it. I will go. Yeah. Me too. Me too. We will do it. Not when a snowstorm okay. is happening here in the Northeast, but on a, a nice sunny day. Exactly. <laughs> so again, we've connected through FASD United, and I'm so excited to have our listeners of this podcast get to know you and all of the amazing support services that you guys have at FASD United. But let's start at the beginning of the story because you are an adoptive mom of twin boys, uh, boys, right? A boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. Great. Yep. So yep. tell us about what, what led you and your husband to pursue adoption? How did you bring the twins home? Well, I'm, I'm an older mom. Um, I didn't, I, I got, I didn't get married until I was 39. And at first had thought, I just went the, by the, you know, the fate of, you know, it's, it's not going to happen if, if it's not going to happen because I'm an older mom. And then, you know, then you get that itch. And, and interestingly enough, I've been a nurse my whole life and I worked in, Everything I did was family related, OB, um, pediatrics, home care, always, again, OB. I worked in early intervention with little kids. So um, that was always my thing. And so, um, the, the you know, lots of reasons why. But in the end, the story is that we decided we wanted to adopt. My husband had children from his first marriage, and I didn't have any children. So basically, when when we were thinking about adopting, we didn't know it would happen this quick. And, and when I found out about the baby's existence, then my son was here within 11 days of that. And we were just working on the process of adoption at that point. And all of a sudden he came home 11 days after we found out he even existed. And then my daughter came home about um, a couple of weeks after that. And we had nothing. We didn't have a room set up. We had nothing. We had nothing for one. And then we got two, right? Um, wow. But um, yeah, it it was a very long, interesting story. But it it's one of those things that tells you it was meant to be. And yeah. you know, we we were shooting for adoption from China for a little girl, 
and then it was boy girl twins. So my my son's name is Benjamin, which is a gift from God. Um, because because he was the extra one that we didn't expect. Oh wow. The surprise. Even you know, but but anyway, so um, you know, and they were they had a rough intrauterine life and we knew that. Um, and I'm a nurse, but I was not just like all the professionals we talk to, you learn about FASD, but you don't know everything that you need yeah. to. And so, so, you know, we were more focused on, they were very premature. They only weighed two and three pounds and they had a lot of medical issues and they were premature and, um, feeding all, all the things that go with FASD, but they also just go with prematurity. And we knew more than anything, it was drug exposure. Um, wow. So how old were they when you actually brought them home? They were newborns. They, they came newborns. home from the hospital to us. Yep. Um, let's see. I think it was, it was about three weeks after Ben was like three weeks old and Charlotte was about five or six weeks old. Wow. And they're twins. Yep. And did they come with a diagnosis? Did you know that there was prenatal exposure? Well, sort of. You know how you you only remember so much about what they say, and we had not even gone through all of the training for foster to adopt. We, that that you know, we were in the process of it, but I it, I know that they it was mentioned, but again, it's not tested for and it's not stressed. So um, you know, and and I felt like oh, I'm capable. I worked in, in the special care nursery. I know how to handle this because I've taken care of them. I know how to handle them for three days. The, the three days different when your mom, right? Right, <laughs> right. And, and, um, and, you know, there was so much to deal with, with just the regular, all the stuff they were going through that it, they didn't get a diagnosis till they were 10. Wow. So yeah. what were, what were, as they, I mean, they were, they were, they were preemies. So there was right. all of that, but as they grew until the point they were 10, what were the symptoms and signs? What were you, you know, what were those behaviors that you were that they were exhibiting that were right. leading you to realize what there's something else going on. Well, you know, it's funny because it's all the things that now in my job I can talk about with people. And when people start to tell me their stories, I kind of go, yeah, I know. That's what I, that's what I had. And I didn't even know what I was, you know, but my, uh, they were, they were small. My son was a pound smaller than my daughter, but he caught up in six months and then just took off growth. My daughter was always really small. We were at the feeding clinic. They, you know, she was so skinny. I never had to buy new clothes because she never grew out of anything. And um, it was just, it would go from long pants to, to capri pants to, you know, whatever. And she'd still wear them. Um, but um, it was sort of one of those, it was, yeah, it's this, but there's something else. Or there's this, but it's, it, we're not effective with what we're doing yet. And it, honestly, it wasn't that bad because I did know a lot, I guess, or I think, but, um, but it was just that, well, like, I think that when Charlotte was three, it, she got a sensory, sensory based um, neurodevelopmental disorder, NOS, not otherwise specified. And I think that was my FASD diagnosis, but they didn't know it. And I went to the the place in Boston, you know, the a big place that you should go. Um, but it's just the same thing. People, they only know a little bit and then they kind of go, hmm, I don't know, maybe it's just ADAD and ADHD and a lot of sensory stuff. It's just over the top. But, you know, so um, my son, both of them have a visual impairment too, uh, nystagmus. 
and his was significant. So he always was able to get services because of that. My daughter's was just latent. It was only when one eye was patched that you would see it. And so she didn't, she didn't get services until she was in the third grade at school because they would just say, well, she's, she's doing okay. She's hanging in there. We'll wait. And you know, it's, it's the same story. You know, we all had it. Um, you know, there's something going on, but, um, and, and I think that's where then it becomes a matter of where they, they think it's my fault. I must right. be doing something wrong. Yeah. So, wow. um, so, I mean, they had, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm, I'm the perfect person to talk to about how different FASD is in different people, because my twins, if they didn't look alike, you'd say they're not even related because mm -hmm. every quality of their personality and every quality of their diagnosis is completely different. Wow. So can you give us some of those symptoms or and how oh, the FASD yes. presents? Well, in general, you know, as far as um, sleeping, my daughter was a wonderful sleeper and they were premature. So we had to wake them up. We had to feed them every three hours, but my son would wake up on the dot every three hours to be fed. Couldn't be, you know, wasn't happy until he was done. Um, when we started feeding food, you know, you start with Cheerios, shoving them in his mouth. Shoving, he's a sensory seeker, right? And then with my daughter, I'd have to wake her up every three hours. Now I did this in the hospital. I had babies that were poor feeders. You had to hold them a special way and hold the bottle. We had to like force feed her almost to get her, the food into her. And um, and that's she's the one that had the growth issues way more. Um, and then when it came to Cheerios, she took one Cheerio and took a bite of it. Okay, that's wow. the dress. That's how different. And um, she's the most sensory avoidant kid I've ever known in my life. She didn't like to be held. She didn't. She wouldn't take a hug. I learned a long time ago. I would say, I really think you're mad, and I think you need a hug, but I don't think I can get give you one because I think you might hurt me. And then she mm -hmm. and I would say, when you're ready, come and see me. And and you know, and some of those things were just things I knew because I worked with. Well, I was a sensory specialist in early intervention, so I got what I needed. I got I got what I knew in that sense. But um, let, let's see what else. You know, my then was just always a um, never stop, never stop. Didn't sleep, and Charlotte was the, a wonderful sleeper. Just oh, so, yep, so different. Um, yeah, totally, totally. Yep, wow. and um, developmentally so pretty much on target. Um, until, you know, it was when they would enter, entered school and it was that, um, the, the, the behavioral stuff. And actually I was very thankful that one of the, when they were three in their first preschool year, Ben had an IEP and Charlotte did not. And the teacher came to me. She was wonderful. She's one of the, she's a godsend in my world. And she said, um, I'm really concerned about her social skills. She just, you know, she doesn't play with the other kids and she doesn't, handle well if they're even close to her space. I'm like, oh, I know, you know, nobody, nobody has the, the personal space bubble that she does. And so she was the first one that really helped with getting more services for her. Um, but it was always an uphill battle with school for her more than for him. And wow. I think and what about when they actually went into school, um, you know, elementary, how, what was yeah. that like? Well, my boy was the one that would, um, run out of class or, you know, like be loud and interrupt. And, and my, honestly, my girl, I really think, well, because it was also protective, she would, she used to, she acted like a dog. 
and Mm. she would bark and she would hide under things. And um, it was protection. And I, you know, Mm. I wonder what else it was, but they would say, Mrs. Erickson, do you use consequences at home? And I'm like, well, what, what am I supposed to do when she's a dog? Like crate trainer? Because like, I'm like, yeah. this, you know, <laughs> honestly, but, but, you know, but I would, you know, I would, I would help. Yeah, I would let her be a dog. I'd put food in a bowl on the floor. And then when she, and I'd say, look at my nice puppy dog. And then I would, you know, I would work with her and then through it and then she could handle it. But yeah. it was just, it was just, I, I guess I was weird enough. Right. And yes, exactly. And I was weird enough to help to know to help, how to help her through it where other people would think I was crazy. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people probably well, think I'm crazy. we got to do we got it right. Us moms, us parents, Wait. we have to do what we have to do. Right. To exactly. support our kids. So. Right. Um, so what led to you said they got diagnosed when they were 10. So what led to finally a diagnosis? I feel like along the way, I found many like just gifts dropped in my lap with, you know, finding an adoption support group. It was sort of that, I, I think, a path that we all a lot go on is that you start out with, you know, something is different, but you can't figure out what it is. But then when you talk to professionals, they tell you that you're wrong or they t- and then but then when it just keeps coming up. And so I knew there was definitely there were definitely attention issues. And, and Ben had a lot of behavioral issues like he would, you know start to want to punch someone or, you know, be aggressive, never huge aggression, but enough to, you know, get noticed. And um, so, so I, I found different people in adoption groups and about attachment and things like that. And then someone in one of those groups said, has anybody ever mentioned FASD? Cause I kind of think I see it in them. And I didn't, I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the next time I went into Boston to the doctors, I asked and I said, I really wonder. And it was easy. It was they were like, well, is there you know, did they mention alcohol in their pregnancy? I said, yep. And I and and then, I, you know, talked a little bit more and they were like, all right, well, we'll do another eval. And and there you go. And um, from there, it, you know, it was um, it was so hard because people didn't understand it. And you'd then you'd say, well, they have FASD. And they would say, well, yeah, I get it. But they're still doing okay in school. So, like, it, it didn't change anything. And people, they yeah. said they knew about it, but they didn't. And honestly, you know, it was one of those, I found so many places to get training and more information. And I, I just never stopped sharing. And it would just be subtle things. And it would be, you know, just, I found this and this might be interesting. And it was in middle school for um, my kids, they were already, they were out of district that, you know, they had been placed out of district. And to be honest with you, here's another piece of the story that would drive me nuts, but they came to me, you know, the, the people at the meetings, like with a tissue box and, and like ready to hold my hand. Mrs. Erickson, we're, we're going to talk about how we think we need to place them in a different school. And they thought I would be all upset. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm happy. You're not, you're not helping them here. I want that. Of right. course, you know how it's, it's a double-edged sword, but but anyway, so they were at a different school and one of the clinicians, this was during COVID when everything was meetings online and I'd be at meetings and talk and I'd get the eye rolls from people. And then one of those clinicians, at least a year or so later, said to me in an email, um, I still have it. I'm so sorry. I need to apologize to you. And I want to thank you for continuing to share the information that you did because I get it now. And she, she even said, she goes, I know I was one of those people you talk about rolling their eyes at you. And yet now 
I see it and I know how to hand, I, I see it in your children. And she became like one of my, my favorite persons at that school. And of course, then she took another job. <laughs> so. <laughs> of course. So, so you did, you did something similar that, uh, that I did is when you, you know, when you realized, okay, this is definitely what's going on. And you, you say you took a deep dive into FASD, right. got training, yep. got all the information. So where did you go to find that? Where didn't I go? I mean, I started with um, Mike and Kristen Berry, um, yep. Honestly Adoption, and they have FASD, but they have other things that are, are such a clear piece of the picture, too. And so that was awesome. And I was in their coaching group and I, I actually went out to their home, which is now their oh, beautiful wow. farm. But it was before they yeah. had, it was their farm, but they hadn't done it over the way it, it was done. And I had dinner with them. Wow. Me and a group, a group of other people, another friend from Massachusetts who actually was in that group too, and um, and then I and then I found them all, and I've signed up for all for everybody. I'm in. I'm in. Do you want me to just list all the different ones that I'm in, or yeah, just go ahead? I mean, yeah, I mine. I'm in her group. I'm yep. in Jeff Noble's group. Um, let's see. I'm on in the Facebook groups. Um. Proof Alliance. I learned a lot of stuff from Proof Alliance yeah. because they had so much more stuff. Um, so anywhere I could go. And then, you know, then yeah. the FASD Collaborative came along and I found that. And so like, there's no place I didn't look. Wow. Did Did you check out Facets? I did. But you know what? I didn't understand that as much as far as knowing how to, like, I wanted to do it. But well, you know what? Everything costs so much money. And so then after a yeah. while, I'm like, okay, I got, I got to figure out which one to do. And I yeah. haven't done facets ever. And I, yeah. I know I should, I really want to. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, I, I've interviewed all of the people that you mentioned um, on this podcast over the years. And then um, Proof Alliance is, is a website that I was going to a lot. FASD yep. United. Yep. Um, Natalie Vecchione was a big help to me. She and I had been friends yes. and she had started her podcast um, uh, and Hope, Robbie Hope, and Robbie yeah. seal. So yeah. I was started connecting with all these people and then I discovered facets. And I remember just, I, I remember sending a message to Natalie, like, what do you think of facets? Should I, should they're, they're, they're offering like a six week thing. And so she said, yes, do it. So I did it. And it was, it was remarkable to me. It really helped equip me with the skills and the understanding and being able to accommodate and understanding the brain, you know, and how it affects the brain. Um, and after I took a six weeks with the, the six week training with them, I began to realize I want to educate like every adoptive and foster parent needs to yes. know this because yep. most likely their kids are coming into their home with this. They're not diagnosed, they're misdiagnosed and we need to better support. So, um, and because my platform, I have this podcast, you know, I'm speaking with adoptive and foster parents all the time. I wanted to be able to reach out and, um, be right. a resource for them as well. So I, right. I went on and became a facilitator of the facets neurobehavioral model. So um, it all, you know, all these things come together and, yeah. and um, we're all able to support our kids and, and it's great. So, um, but I do find as parents, that's what we have to do. We take that deep dive. We learn all we can because now we're having to educate the educators, right? Everybody yeah. that's working with our kids, we have yeah. to help them to understand it because they don't. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think I ended up probably, you know, I was on that track. And before I got as far as saying, yes, I should try facets, um, I found the local Massachusetts um, FASD affiliate. And um, the 
it, it was kind of weird because it's when I worked as a school nurse, because I did that too. And um, we did trainings about SBIRT, which is um, interviewing children for high-risk behavior in, in schools. And the woman that was teaching that I got out of luck, and I feel like this is the other thing, people were like just thrown right in front of my face and they were always the right people. And I never missed jumping on one of those opportunities. So Enid Watson was the woman that ran MassFast. And so I met her and then I was just like, oh, she's my new best friend. So I started working with her and, you know, she was helping me and she would connect me with other parents and you know, and ask if I could talk to other parents. And, and so, and this was all just, I would just do whatever she asked me to do. And then we asked if we could start a parent group. So we did just me and one, the other mom, we needed it. And then after a, a year or so of that, she said, I'm retiring. And me and one, one of, you know, the, the other woman that did the group with her said, uh, we're going to have to take it because, uh, you know, if they'll if they'll hire us because we can't let this, you know, go by the wayside. And what would happen if somebody else doesn't do it? So, you know, I've been there for a little over two years at MassFast and um, eye opening as far as the the all the other stuff, you know, not just learning about FASD, but, you know, like you know, like you said, nonprofit work and, and how, how to, how the wheels turn and whatever. Um, but I think, you know, we, we worked really hard to increase our, um, our parent group, which is very successful. We have a good group of people that come on, on the regular. Um, and then, you know, some that just pop in now and then. And, um, and then from working at MassFast after a year and see, you know, like kind of like you say, all of a sudden I'm, I'm at MassFast and I'm an FASD affiliate. So I start going to the FASD United meetings and I'm meeting all my icons. There's Annette Koonsman from California and Jen Wisdahl and, and, you know, all these people I've heard on all these podcasts and everything. Right. And now they're all I'm working with them. And then FASD United put out a grant for um an affiliate to help with the navigator and my, my partner in crime at MassFast, Lara, we both got the email and I said, you know, right, whatever. And she said, no, we're going to apply for it. Cause I, I was not going to go for it. And she said, we're going to apply for it. And we got it. And I felt wow. like, you know, we felt like, you know, we were Emmy award winning people for that. And then it started as a grant and it's turned into a job. And the people that I work with are, you know, there's my other Laura Bedard who works with me here at MassFast and then Heather French and Laura Bousquet and Laura's from Texas. And we all have a different kind of part of the, the, the parenting, you know, different age children, different issues have gone on, whatever. It's like I've met my best friends and we, you know, we work so well together and we know, you know, I'll look at a, at a, a an inquiry that comes in and be like, oh, this is going to be a Lara or the, Heather's going to need to take this one or whatever. Or then we pick each other's brain. So, wow. so that's, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. So just for our listeners to understand, because we may have listeners who are in Massachusetts. So tell us a little bit more before we get into, I want to definitely explore family navigators more, but. Tell us a yeah. little bit more about MassFast, the services right. and supports you guys offer for families in Massachusetts. Sure. So MassFast is all lowercase M-A-S-S and then F-A-S in all caps. And we know we have to change that because F-A-S is not every, you know, we'd like to change. We're working on, do we want to change the name? But that's, it's what we were, what we inherited. So um, very small, um, 
FASD organization. It's the only thing that Massachusetts has. Now, you know, right now it's the two of us that are parents. So we have support. If anybody, you know, goes to our website, massfast.org, you'll get um, a place where you can fill out if you have questions, if you want to be in touch with us. Um, we have a task force that's working with government and agencies to work on um, change in, in, within Massachusetts um, and work on um, education. We do trainings. We'll train at schools at, um, you know, we train like DCF, DMH people, Department of Mental Health, Depart you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And um, anything related to FASD as far as trying to help and support our families. I've gone to a few IEP meetings, but I'm not a, an, an advocate. So, you know, but I can I can help um, and support families. And and then we have our support group, which is, like I said, that's that's the lifeblood that I, that's what I love mm -hmm. is being able to try to help the families and just be able to be that. Yeah. We're all in that village. Yeah. Is, and is that an online or an in-person support group? Online. Online. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Because wherever you are in Massachusetts, you can you can tune right. into that. So we will definitely put a link to massfast.org in the show notes so folks in your area can can check right. that out. Um, before I forget, because I didn't ask this question and I meant to, because I want to get on to Family Navigators, but your kids are now almost 17. Yes. How are they doing now? Give us a little glimpse into your world now. You know, they, we're in a really good place right now. But I say that as an FASC parent, which I think people who know it know that there's one part of me that sits there saying, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? Um, mm -hmm. But both of my children are not currently going to school. And I feel like my life, I spend saying I'm batting 500 and my daughter is doing super well. She is the one that, you know, has a hard time with social things. And she works at a doggy daycare. And she loves animals. So I've mm -hmm. found her strength and we work with that. And it's made her a happy little girl. And she's not a little girl, but she also, we just talked about it yesterday. She's learning things there. Like they needed help fixing a dish disposal. And she learned how to do it with the grandfather. It's in a home and it's a friend of mine mm -hmm. who understands. So I trust her, you know, I trust her with my, my daughter and that's huge. Yeah. And, um, and she, she does the schedule with the dogs. And she, I mean, like she's, she's learning all her life skills through doing it. So it's, a, it's an interesting unschooling or homeschooling way to do things. My son is also home, but he was, he was the reason we switched to um, unschooling because he was refusing to go. And he went through a, he's been through a, a really tough last year with depression, um, sleeping a lot, being up all night, you know, his, he's always had the trouble with sleep, but he also lost a friend to a drug overdose. Oh. Um, and so that's just been made it really hard for him. So right now he's actually kind of coming out of it, but it took a year and that was, it's mm -hmm. been the hardest year for me because it's more of a matter of just thinking, how am I going to get him back? You know, and, and what's he going to do? Where's he going to head and, and, and all that. So, um, in the last, he has a new girlfriend and that's another good, that's but challenging thing. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's really like, I was talking to her mom and they don't want us to be in touch with each other. The two kids don't want us to know each other, but we do. And I have, like I said, you know, I, I brought him over so they could go skating in Boston at Boston Commons. And then he came home and I told, I texted the mom and said, 
he's never, he hasn't spoken this much to me in the last year as he did driving home from there. And, you know, of course, you know, then you think about, oh, what if this doesn't last, you know, and, and if they, you know, but, but it's really gotten him a little bit back and it, it's getting him to a place where then I'll be able to talk to him again. And yeah. um, so, you know, so that's, that's where we're at now, but and it, I think it's extra hard because he was my social butterfly and he was attached to my hip. And now, yeah. not. And yeah. and that's hard, you know, and it's hard yeah. for me. Yeah, It's not about me, but, you know. It's so, well, our mama hearts, you know, right. Right. are so attached to our kids. And, <clears throat> you know, I've got one who my, one of my sons is 20. And um, like he's 20 and he's all of five foot, one inch, 97 pounds soaking wet, right? He's my tiny guy, um, you know, but he he is working and he is um, a volunteer firefighter to the best that he can do that um, with size and whatnot. But but um, he was always as a little tiny, cute, you know, lovable guy um, when he was really little, we were attached at the hip. Yeah. And then now, of course, he's too cool for, you know, to, you know, he, we, if, if we go someplace as a family, he has to drive himself because he like cannot ride in the same vehicle as his mom mm -hmm. or his parents. But, um, you know, but they, you know, they do grill, but I do like what you said about unschooling, because I feel like with our kids, they have different needs all through, you know, whether they're preschool, elementary school, high school, all of that, because I've had, I've had, I've done it all. I've homeschooled. We've had them in school. Then during uh, COVID, my, our son, who is now 18 was um, like 15, 14, 15 during COVID totally to avoid a mental health crisis. We brought him home because he just could not handle the change in the school day and the un uncertainty of like when they pulled our kids out of school, right. And they closed school. Well, we'll go back next week. No, it'll be in two weeks. Well, no, maybe next month. Well, maybe he, he couldn't even handle it. So we homeschooled. And then over the past couple of years, we've actually, cause I've built a good relationship with our school district and we do a combination with him where I do a little bit of homeschooling. And then he goes in for part of the day because now he's 18 and it's technically 11th grade. It's a special education classroom, but he'll go in and um, for, to do some some life skill, job skill kind of things. So for the first, up until just recently, he was going in for just two hours um, for this life skills, job skill program that they were offering his class, the class that he would be in if we put him in full time. So he knows the kids and um, he's been enjoying that to the point to where now this week he started going in. Um, he goes in from nine, which is third period at the high school until um, one. Um, because he want like, I feel like we were wasting a lot of time at home because he wasn't doing anything all day long. Like he's not self-directed at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, yeah. So it would be one-on-one -on -one in order to do anything. Um, so it, I just felt like we're wasting some time because he really needs those skills and he was liking going. So we offered him the, we said, you know, you could go in longer in the day if you wanted to. And he wanted to, so they amended his IEP, approved it all. So this week he started going in earlier. And then our plan for next year, as long as things continue to go well, will be for him to go the full day because um, he can be in this program at our school until he's 22. 22, yep. Um, and he'll he'll be 19 in October. So, um, you know, we want him to be able to do that and, and, and have more of the work-based learning kind of thing. So, so far, so good. But 
we always have to be able to pivot if it's not working for our kids and it's causing more harm than good mental health wise and all of that. We have to be able to make that call. Exactly. Well, and I feel like that's what I've done in my whole life with my different jobs, the different yeah. schedules I worked in and that, but, you know, but it, it's lucky that I could do that. And then what you're talking about with your son, exactly what I hope I get to with Ben, um, because, you know, he, he's always been, he wants, he loves to do like landscaping or outdoor work. And, you know, when he does, when he, when, when he's more like he used to be, he wanted, he used to shovel our whole yard, the lawn, the driveway, everything, everything. And now he doesn't even want to shovel just a path to get out the back door. Um, but it's when, you know, when I get that part, hopefully somewhat back, I know he needs to do something that's, you know, hands-on work. And if I can yeah. find a way to make that arrangement with school, because I, I, you know, if I could, I found the doggy daycare for Charlotte and I know that's yeah, the perfect that's thing. I got to find something like that for him but I think it's probably going to be through school for some sort of, you know, vocational and life skill training. And he just, but he has to be ready for it. I didn't think it would take yeah. a year to even feel like we could even, I don't even feel like we're ready to broach the subject, but you know, even, you know, but I, I know that's, that's what I'm hoping is the path, the way that it goes. Yeah. And we have to, you know, time will tell, right. With our kids, you just right. never know. And I know one of the things with my son is he, he compartmentalizes things, or at least that's how I describe it. So when I found out at a recent parent teacher conference that, you know, the teacher said he's great at washing dishes. And I'm like, wait, what? Because if I ask him to empty the dishwasher, he's like, well, then I'm going to run away. Right. Like he's like, you know, there's no, there's no gray. There's it's black or white. It's, it's, it, it's either wonderful or it's terrible. And, you know, apparently emptying the dishwasher is up there with the end of the world. So but he'll do things in school. And just recently we were we were volunteering somewhere and we brought a shop back to, to vacuum the space and which he went into the garage, got ours, put it in the car. We got to the location. He took it out, brought it in. And I'm thinking, well, while I'm doing this over here, you can run the shop back. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, but but you can like you'd like to vacuum. Nope. And he went and sat in the car. And um, but before he went out to the car, I said, but you know, but this is like life skills. You can, you can do this. And he said, I only do that at school. So I'm like, you know, it's that, you know, See? that concrete and, yet, and that like, right. Yeah. You right. can't do it for me, and you know, but and, if it's at school, and you know, right. we'll do it. Well, and you know, those messages about, you know, it's not about you, which you yeah. know, but, yeah. but I know the same thing. If I, you know, right now, because he's got a girlfriend, he'll almost do anything I tell him to do because then it gets, it means he gets to see the girlfriend. But, right. but, you know, but if I asked him on the regular, he'd say no, but also for my son, I don't know if your son is like this, but it's about processing and time with him. Because yeah. for years, if I say, you know, all right, even if it's just, it's time to have dinner or it's, you know, we got to go to the, whatever, where we have to go, the answer is going to be no, or something that's exactly. you know, he's going to balk. And then I, I used to, you know, I used to give him a hard time. My husband sometimes still does, but, you know, and I just, now I just say, well, I just want you to know, give you some time to think about it. And I walk away and up he comes, out he comes, whatever it is, you know, yeah. I, he says he's gonna, not going to do it. But if I just give him that time to think he needs to transition, he needs to turn his, you know, yes. take the tentacles Absolutely. out of what he is doing to get into what the next thing is. Um, and then he's going to do it. But yeah. if I if I make a big issue of the refusal, it's not going to happen and it's only going right. to make it worse. It's going to fuel the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that, too. It's funny that you mentioned your husband because my husband just recently re retired and he's home more. 
So he'll be like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this, you know, and that whole like list of that verbal list of things, which, you know, only gets a response of, you know, you know, my son will yell back. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Or, you know, or what do you want? You know, and, and it's a yelling. Um, so I'm like trying to back my husband up and say, you can't you can't keep giving him information. Just give him one piece at a time. Let him have a chance to process through that to give an answer, because if not, you're going to get that pushback. You're going to get the no right. or, you know, the, he, he'll yell, um, you know, and you can just see my son's tension escalate because it's too much information coming at him at right. one time. So, yeah, there's that, too. So, gosh, every kid is different. But yet at the same time, there's so many similarities. Right. In well, and that's the thing symptoms. about, like I said, with my twins, I feel like I've gotten a lesson in all of that so easily because Anything, any strategy I use with one does not work with the other one for the most part, yeah, just doesn't. And so I yeah. got to find another one. And so I have twice as many in my toolbox, which is nice, but, you know, but I also think that, you know, I feel like one of the things I've had to learn is to own my own piece of this. And sometimes, and I don't even mean like it's that hard. I've always been a, you know, I, I evaluate things too much. I can see both sides of everything. I always have been able to, and it, it sometimes drives me crazy, but my husband can't as much. Now he was homesick with COVID recently. And now usually I'm home working from home and both the kids are here. When my, especially my daughter gets up earlier, I spend a little time with her. You know, I usually tell her if I have something that I can't right away. And, but then this day we were both working. So we, nobody paid attention to her when she woke up and she got, you know, she was triggered by that or grouchy right away. And she went off to do her thing. And then I was done with what I was doing. I said, Charlotte, honey, I'm so sorry. I wasn't here when you first woke up. I, you know, I had my thing to do. There's nothing I can do about that. And she was fine. And then my husband said something about, I'm not apologizing. We didn't do anything wrong. And I said, I'm not apologizing as if I did anything wrong, but I'm acknowledging that her perspective of the whole thing is different. Their perspective has always been different. They were born that way. And so I have to look at what they see. And when she wakes up and I'm not right there to say, good morning, Mary Sunshine, or whatever it is I normally say, then that's going to feel to her like something different. I, yeah. you know, and, and that's something that, like I said, I've been able to do way more than my husband and, and that's all. Yeah, they do. They do things that are different, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I, with the homeschooling, it was always me. I would in the, in the morning, we do math and reading, and then he would go off to school to this program. But um, with my husband, like I mentioned, is retired now, he's home. So there's been, you know, we've been slowly transitioning where if mom has a call or a meeting, dad can do this. And my son is like, dad cannot do this. I'm like, yes, dad, you know, dad was a businessman. He can do math with you. You can read this page to him. Like he's, there's not a lot that he's got to do, um, in a day and, you know, by comparison, but, um, but he's just starting to like go with that. But there was a lot of pushback because in his mind, mom did school, dad right. went to work. So yeah. like dad can't suddenly do school. That's a big change. And it took a while. And he's, you know, not that he's thrilled with it right now, but, um, he's, he's being, you know, he's submitting to it more if it has to be dad doing it. Um, you know, so they have a hard time with any kind right. of change like that, you know, and, and it's not, it wasn't a terrible change. It was a huge help to me. Um, our son didn't see it that way, right. but, um, so Kristen, let's talk about family navigators. So if, if a parent is listening, a caregiver is listening and wherever they are in the country, they realize, uh, what are the, what are the resources in my state? Where do I go for help in the state that I live in? 
um, who knows about FASD and they, how do they contact family navigators and what happens once they do? That's too much to answer. Well, <laughs> in case you don't notice, I have the gift of gab, so that will not be a problem for me. Good. But um, <laughs> me too. Family navigator, <laughs> I, as I say, and people don't always know, understand the sayings I say, I can talk a dog off a meat wagon. And so <laughs> that's one of the ones I want to find the business card. And I, uh, instead, I'll find that I got to find the phone number up here because I don't remember. But at the Family Navigator program is a program set up for anybody who has any question about FASD. So that can be a professional through a school, a lawyer, a doctor, um, parents, individuals as adults who think or do have an FASD. Um, anyone um, can contact us. We have a, a phone number that you can call, which is what I'm gonna look up and find. But also if you just go to the FASD United website, which is fasdunited.org, you can um, click on the navigator site, which is um, under, I think it's under find help. I'll tell you right now, cause I'm gonna do it. Except okay. my computer is gonna be slow. Um, it, it's under help and information, FASD family navigator. And so you can go there and there's a form you can fill out. And I know you're gonna put the links in. Yep. Um, so you fill out the form, fill it out to the best of your ability. And no matter what you put in there, then you send it to us and we will be able to we'll get it on our um, computer and be able to get back in touch with you with any questions that you have. Um, and, you know, we get we get so many um, different. Actually, I feel like right now what I can see, we can see the trends of the world of FASD in our job. And right now it's adults who are either not diagnosed or are diagnosed and but didn't really understand their diagnosis and need help. And they're trying mm -hmm. to find something and they don't know where to find it. And we have such a collection. And like I said, when I talk about the skills, Heather French is the incredible uh, finder of new information in, in two seconds flat. And, um, you know, we all have our different, our, our different skill sets, but we have heard from well, like I said, our numbers since we started, you know, I don't remember the numbers in general, but it's all about the data to show the need. The need is so enormous. This month, past month, we've had more than 100 people contact us in the month of January. Wow. Um, and we find resources. We can schedule phone calls with families. We can then connect, you know, sometimes we'll talk to like a, a therapist will call saying, I have a client who has FASD and I don't know what to do. And then we can send them information and say, share this with the family. They can contact us directly. And then we can, you know, share information with them. And I share all the things that we talked about, you know, the different places they can get training, the different places that they can find information, um, the, the help, the, um, government supports in their state. We don't know about different countries as much, but we we even try for that. It's just, we you know, we can only find so much. Um, so we will share anything. And we send these big, long emails with lots of resources in them. Um, and, you know, we have some families contacting us back many, many times. The computer system that we have will tell us when families open them and we'll have like 60 opens on our emails and you're like oh we know we're making a difference when you yeah, see them open it that many times or you know the comments that we get are that we were a saving grace we were a, a guardian angel we fell into their lap right when they needed it mm -hmm. you know this is the first time I contacted 
contact somebody and I didn't get bounced around by six different phone calls to still be told they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's, it's the best thing, you know, it's been the best thing for me too. Cause I feel like it's what I would have liked when I was, you know, earlier in this journey and didn't have, and I learn as much from other people as they learn from me really. Yeah. I, it's a fabulous resource because as you mentioned early in our journey, I know when my my boys were six and eight, when they got diagnosed by a developmental pediatrician with fetal alcohol syndrome and, you know, the doctor was like, here's your diagnosis. You might want to focus on life skills. Have a nice day. There were no resources, right. no support. He gave us nothing. So of course I did what we do. I went home and opened the computer and, you know, started researching FAS and it was Back then, it was just hopeless, dark, right. you know, doom and gloom outcomes. And I remember turning it off like that is not going to happen to our family. Exactly. And the only thing I dove into at that point, which is what I had found, was the connected parenting stuff, right? The TBRI. Right. Um, Actually, yep. That was one of my first two now that I think of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and all of that helped, all the, you know, the, the building, you know, the building trust and disarming fear and doing all those things. Um, that all did help very much um, until we got to the teenage years and that's when the behaviors got worse. And that's when the differences were way more obvious between my kids and their neurotypical peers and, right. you know, the struggles got harder. And, but thankfully by then is when, you know, at that point when I took my deep dive into FASD, cause I recognized, okay, this is not just trauma. This is not, you know, we have the attachment, we have connection, We've done all of these things, but there's something else going on. What is going that's on? That's the and sentence. It, maybe, yeah, that's, is, maybe that's the book I need to write. Yeah. Yes. What's but going there's on something here? Else. But there's something yeah. else. Yeah. But there's something else. So, you know, and that's what I find because I interview so many adoptive and foster parents and I've learned to kind of weave in that a, a question about FASD and oftentimes, if a fa oftentimes the family doesn't know, or the, the person I'm interviewing doesn't really know anything about FASD, but they'll say no, but, and then they kind of rattle off a whole list of things, which are really, as you and I know, primary symptoms right. of FASD. So I recognize that, you know, people don't know, we don't know what we don't know. And so many parents don't know. Exactly. So, um, and the know, physicians so, don't know. And, and that's, they don't like know. I said, that's the thing. And I, I've, I've talked a lot lately. I feel like I'm beating this one like a dead horse, but there's another phrase I'm using. I'm, I, and see now, now, you, now you want to know why, why my kids have a hard time understanding me Might be right there. Right. But, um, that it's not stupidity, it's ignorance, but it's something that like, I think a lot of people are too proud to admit. I don't mind saying I don't know about something. And if I don't know about it, I'm going to help. I'm going to find out. And I think, yeah. look at all our parents. That's exactly what we all do because we know that. And it's hard when you come up against professionals. And yes, they have had all this certain knowledge or whatever. But if they don't say, you know what? I got to look into this more. Like that clinician I had who finally said, I thank you so much. I was a jerk. I was the one that was rolling my eyes at you. And I know it. But now I understand. And, um, you know, it's it's just challenging because it's so um, such hard work and it's so much yeah. extra hard work that we have to do because of the 
ignorance factor. Yeah, that's out there. But thankfully, now we have wonderful resources, especially FASD Family Navigator. So we will put a link in the show notes to be able for our folks to be able to find Family Navigators. Um, And it's just filling out that online form. Exactly. Somebody actually contacts you back when you do that. Right. You have a choice in there. You can say you want a phone call, you want a text, you want an email. I usually try to make a phone, try to try to make phone contact. I might send an email first with information and then say, let me know when you want to schedule a time to talk. Um, Not everybody wants to talk. I do. (laughs) So, but, but so, um, you know, but it's something that, you know, I just kind of put out there, you know, I share information. I say, you might have questions and, you know, we're here to help with it. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. And then you're able to connect them with, with, say their state is, well, I live in New York. If their state right. is in New York and they reach out to family navigators and they're looking for resources or help or training or anything, do you point them to the resources yes. in their particular state? In their state. Yep. And we're trying very hard to, you know, have that a, be- that, a better relationship with the um, affiliates to understand because you're also different. And I, like I've kind of talked a lot about how we, we're going to probably change the name, but the affiliates, they're not branches of FASD United. And I think that's what it kind of comes across as, but like your organization is so different, you know, you're not a diagnostic clinic, you know, but like, so we kind of even, you know, and I'll even say this is a a foster adoption support. So they're going to have some things, but it's not a place to get a diagnosis. It's a place to learn more. Um, And, you know, I don't know about all of the affiliates, so we're learning and we want them to learn more about us so that we can collaborate more together. Because the more we all do together, the better it's going to be. And we're looking at, you know, like you said, government things. What what is there available for educational supports? You know, what are the what are the laws around education like in California where they have that better, that yeah. OHI, you know, that they just got? Um, and then um, how you know what there is for other supports trying to get Medicaid waivers or whatever else is available. Yep. Yeah. No, that is great because it's it's different in every state and it can be very confusing for a parent or caregiver or even an adult with FASD. Um, and I know you and I talked um, a while back about the fact that there's not enough in New York. There's a fabulous clinic um, out in Rochester, right? Dr. Christy Petrenko right. Um, right. runs that, but there's nothing else really in the whole state of New York other than going to Rochester. I think Dr. Douglas Waite in the city is is retiring right. So my big, hairy, audacious goal um, as an affiliate or, you know, even just as a parent, I want to see an FASD diagnostic clinic in Albany, New York, which is the capital of the state. Um, there, there absolutely has to be one. So that is a big dream of mine. And, and I hope that, you know, um, I'll be able to be influential in getting that off the ground um, because right. there needs to be well, a place you know, for diagnosis. Right. And, tr- and That's what we're talking about support. in Massachusetts. We don't have one. Yeah, there. You know, we 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 need that too, and those are those are big, big bump, big deal goals that we need. And you know, yes. that's the stuff we're all trying to work on. That's what we do with our task force. We're trying to get everybody together and say, how can we make this happen? And yeah. also, as you know, the silos in government. You know, the mm-hmm. mental health system says, oh, well, it's not mental health; it's developmental. It, it, you know, it's an intellectual disability. So then you go to the intellectual disability party in your state and they say, well, there's a lot of mental health going on. And they, you know, so it it's not owned by anybody when it really needs to be owned by everybody. And the everybody, same with the schools yeah. and DCF yeah. and, you know, the, the foster care system. So 
it's, you know, that's the kind of, you know, but that's a whole different level that it's almost like it's, you don't even, you're not even delving into what FASD is all about. It's just getting people to understand that it's, it's a disability that needs help in every area available yeah. and it's not, people don't know it. Yeah. So what well, we're yeah. trying to make a difference there, right. And we're getting the word out. Right. So yep. grateful for the work that, that you're doing, Kristen, in, in Massachusetts, as well as um, through Family Navigators, um, supporting families and individuals all across this, all across the country. Um, exactly. You and I could talk forever. We both have confessed we have the, the gift of gab. Yes. Um, <laughs> but as we wrap up, um, I always love to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement. So um, knowing that they're primarily adoptive and foster parents, many are parenting kids that were prenatally exposed as well. Um, Kristen, would you offer us some words of encouragement? What would you say to a parent listening? But one thing I can say, and I don't want to separate adopted parents from biological, but in this case, I have to. Um, I think that the hardest, the biggest damage that we've we've done in our society is to think that the answer to a child with challenges is that we can find a new home and they'll be all set. And we don't mm -hmm. then realize all the other pieces that they need. I think that the adoptive parent community is probably by far the most qualified parents I've ever met. And I'm going to include myself in that. Let's just do that. But, um, but the bottom line is you don't go into this just you know, easily. And, and then most of the time you're told that you're wrong and you're told that you're doing something wrong and don't let that happen to yourself and don't should on yourself. You should know more. No, you, when you know more, you're going to do more. And that's what we're all trying to do. And we've all had to do it alone. And we're trying to make mm -hmm. it happen that we can do it together. And I think that's yeah. mine. Yeah. That's one of the things I, think I say. And, and like yeah. I said, I, I don't want to say that to be, um, it's not to be disparaging of biological parents. So the, the, par the, the biological parents that I have met are, again, the most incredible people I have ever seen. But it's almost like there's just two different aspects of that yeah. to discuss. And for your, you know, for your group, that's what I say. I just feel like, you know, and we, we get beaten down so much, um, and, you know, if you don't understand the attachment and the trauma and the um, learning disabilities and the trying differently mm -hmm. approach that we have to do if we're going to make make our children be able to survive in this world, then then, you know. Yeah, know it's so important. Yeah. yeah, we have to we have to be able to have an understanding of all of that um, and and it's, we get weary because we, you know, we're not understood. We're up against so much. We have to go to battle. Sometimes it feels like every day with our kids, whether it be with yeah. the school or, you know, resources and programs and agencies and all of those things. Um, it's hard and we do get weary, but um, yeah. it's so wonderful. The FASD community by and large is incredible. And I, I believe that, you know, family navigators is a key part of that now. And we're just so grateful for all that that you guys are doing on behalf of, of families and the whole FASD community. Thank you. Yeah. It, it feels like a, a good mix. You know, it's as good for yeah. me as, as I feel like it is for the people that we help. Yeah. I, I find that happens to me. I'm encouraged when I get to talk to folks like you, we have a support group, an online support group as well. 
Um, and it's just so encouraging. I look forward to being with the other parents because we're all on this journey. We may have different, you know, kids in different ages and stages and places, and we're all, you know, facing some different things, but we all can understand how hard the journey is and we need each other to encourage one another. And I opened up the show with talking about having our weary arms lifted up. Kristen, you and the folks at Family Navigators um, are doing an amazing job at that. So thank you so much for all you're doing. And thank you. Thank you for and, being on the show. And I, I feel lucky to know you too. It's, it's, you know, it's just, you know, I know all the hard work that you're doing and um, we all need, we need to be in this village. That's all there is to it. That's right. It does take a village, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Different village than we ever thought, but yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank you. Thanks thank for you being with us so today. Much. All right. Thank you too. Wow. What a great, conversation with Kristen Erickson. I'll confess that after we stopped recording, she and I kept chatting for another half hour and could continue to to chat. We were having a fabulous time, but um, I hope you really were encouraged by her story and about all the supports that there are actually out there for those of us who are on the FASD journey, um, whether you're just discovering that or whether you've known it for quite some time. Um, I know Kristen and the whole team of Family Navigators are just such a huge and wonderful resource. I hope wherever you are listening from, if you feel like you need to know more about the resources in your state, um, if you just need um, someone to talk to um, for some for some, for some guidance, <laughs> reach out to Family Navigators. You can find them at fasdunited.org. Um, we will put a link in the show notes so that you can find that really easily. And I highly recommend that you reach out to them. Um, yeah. As a mom of teens myself with FAS, um, I'm also a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Uh, I, I want to support you too. I know many of our listeners have reached out, are part of our support group, are part of our, um, have taken some of our workshops. Um, I offer the coaching as well. So I hope you'll reach out um, to us too. All of our resources that I offer are on our website, justicefororphansny.org. Um, so I hope you'll check that out and uh, follow us, find us and follow us on social media. Justice for Orphans is on both Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, and you can find me, Sandra Flack, um, and all of those places as well. And so I hope that you will reach out, stay connected, and tune in again next week. Thank you for being on the show today, listening to this episode. Um, I am grateful to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.